<coughs> well, it's, it's the first night of a new year, and uh, the saints of God are, are uh, looking forward to one of the best years of their lives, and indeed it is going to be. 1972 is going to be a great year because God has made a move. As Brother Seal said, we are a little quiet about it, but God has made a move. And uh, when God makes a move, you and you see it, you've got something to shout about. You've got something to talk about. <clears throat> God has definitely made moves ever since he began to deal with the human family. God, uh, God made a move in the third chapter of Genesis. This was a new move that God made in Genesis, the third chapter. When the voice of the Lord God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day, he said, Adam, where art thou? And uh, the Lord uh, killed uh, a lamb, didn't he? And uh, he took the, uh, took the skins of this animal and made uh, clothing for Adam and for Eve. And uh, <clears throat> this was a new move. This was something that the Lord did that was, a, that was uh, the beginning and uh, Adam recognized the, the significance in this and the shed blood of the animal, insomuch that uh, the first two offspring, Cain and Abel, that Abel knew the value of the blood. He knew the value of uh, killing an, an, an animal as a sacrifice, as an atonement for his sin. And Cain offered the fruit of the lamb. Well, God had made a move. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So God has always uh, moved in uh, revealing himself to his people with the, with the avowed purpose of finally eradicating sin from this earth. That's the purpose of God, to lift the curse of sin from off of this earth. And uh, it's just about ready to be done. We're at the close of the Gentile days. We only have a few more years. We're not setting dates because everybody that has set dates has missed it. And I, uh, I did uh, put a few figures out, but not, not as definite, but just to let us know where we are. Just let us know we're at the end of the age. I don't believe in setting dates. I believe to live every day as though the Lord would come today. But, uh, but we did arrive at some figures to let us see where we are. And we are at the end. We don't have very many more years. We feel like the Lord is going to return for his bride in the 1980s. And we feel like the Lord will return with his bride in the 1990s. We feel like that uh, we have good scripture to support this position. And if it wasn't for the fact of the scriptures to support this position, we have the signs of the times around us. We have the scripture given to us in Ezekiel, the 20. Is it the 24th chapter of Ezekiel? I may be wrong on my chapter heading here where, where the Lord was uh, speaking to Ezekiel of the condition of Israel when he said, I will overturn, overturn, overturn. Uh, 21st chapter of Ezekiel. What's the verse? 27th verse. Ezekiel 21, 27. I will overturn, overturn, overturn. And... It shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it him. And this is a beautiful prophecy. This is a major prophecy in the scriptures. This is a, pro a prophecy that you should be concerned about. Because uh, it's uh, letting us know when Christ is coming back to this earth. 
And Israel was in Babylon when this prophecy went forth. And the Lord said, I will overturn, overturn, overturn. That's three overturnings. Now, whoever's child that is upstairs that's crying really needs to be dealt with. And whoever the mother is needs to deal with that child because it's pretty rambunctious upstairs. It's making a lot of racket. And if the mother's not up there, go up and deal with it. You have to take it downstairs and spank it, take it downstairs and spank it. But it's just too rambunctious. It's making too much noise in the nursery. Yes. <clears throat> Children are wonderful and they're precious, but they certainly have to have a lot of time and attention given to them before they become very mannerly. It takes time. Anytime you children get married, you might as well recognize when you get married and begin to raise a family, you've lost your time for yourself. From then on, it's, it's that child that takes your time. You'll give that child thousands of hours <clears throat> before it turns into a fine young lady or a fine young man. Thousands of hours. And if you don't do it, you're going to have, have a no account on your hands. When that thing grows up, it'll, it won't be fit for a thing. But if you'll give it thousands of hours, that child will grow up and could glorify God, could give its life to God and live for God and be a lady or a gentleman because you took time and interest to discipline and teach and correct and love and encourage. We love our children, but we, we at the same time are doing our best to hold for the best order that we can hold to and yet have a, a degree of freedom in our midst where everybody has their liberty to be uh, led of the Lord. Now, this scripture here in Ezekiel, the 21st chapter, where the Lord said, I will overturn, overturn, overturn. That just meant the Lord was going to take Israel out of the hands of the Babylonians and put them in the hands of the Medes and Persians. That was one overturn. Then he was going to overturn them out of the hands of the Medes and Persians uh, into the hands of, uh, of the Greeks. That was a second overturn. Then he said he was going to overturn them out of the hands of the Greeks into the hands of the Romans. That was a third overturn. And it shall be no more. And at A.D. 70, when Titus and the Roman legion surrounded that city, brother, Israel was no more as a nation. That finished them as a nation. They were scattered throughout the nations of the earth. They, uh, their city was leveled. It was plowed up. Well, those Roman generals took plows and plowed that city under the ground. Brother, there was nothing left of that once great city of Jerusalem. I will overturn, 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 and it shall be no more. For how long? Not no more permanently. But the, but the nation would no longer exist as a nation until he come whose right it is. In other words, God said that after this third overturning, and it was finalized at A.D. 70, God said that the Jews would no longer have a nation. Israel would be lost as a nation. They would be no more a nation among nations and shall be no more until he come whose right it is and I will give it him. God said that Israel would go out of existence as a nation until Jesus Christ would come back to this earth again. And when Christ would come back to this earth again, then Israel would exist as a nation again and God was going to give this nation to Christ. Now the very fact that we see Israel reestablished. The very fact that we see two and a half million Jews in the little land of Canaan, the little land of Palestine, the very fact that Israel exists once again as a nation lets us know that until he comes whose right it is, is imminent. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The greatest sign that we have 
that our Lord's coming is imminent is the fact that Israel is once again existing as a nation among nations. Brother, this is an indisputable sign. And until he come, whose right it is, and I will give it him. God's going to give the nation of Israel to Jesus Christ at his soon coming. Praise God. The Arabs don't need to think that they're going to drive Israel into the sea. They'll never do it. Israel is home to stay because this is a fulfillment of the, of the, of the uh, prophetic words. The Lord said in the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, and he gives us a beautiful picture when he takes Ezekiel down to the valley of dry bones. And this is a picture of Israel. <clears throat> and Israel has been dead as a nation. Israel wasn't alive. It was a dead body of people in the earth. And uh, Ezekiel goes down into this valley in his vision, and he sees these dry bones. And the Lord said, the Son of Man, said, Can these bones live again? And Ezekiel said, Lord, thou knowest. <clears throat> well, the Lord said, Look, said, Why don't you give these bones a command? said, Why don't you command them to come together? said, Go ahead, prophesy unto them. Go on, prophesy unto them. Come on, start prophesying. Start talking to them. And Ezekiel uh, prophesied, and immediately there was a clattering and a clicking and a clattering as these dry bones began to uh, connect to one another around there. And the first thing, this uh, valley of dry bones had to change its complexion until these bones had all come together and there were skeletons laying all over the valley. Instead of just being a pile of bones, now these bones had all come together and there was uh, many skeletons around there. These bones came together and formed a skeleton there. And then the Lord said, come on, keep prophesying. And Ezekiel kept prophesying and sinew began to cover these bones. The skin began to come over the bones. The form and shape and tissue and sinew and hair and flesh began to cover these bones. And the Lord said, come on, prophesy again. Keep prophesying. All at once the Spirit of the Lord came into those uh, bodies and uh, they lived. And they, 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 they came to life. And the Lord said, uh, then, the, then the scriptures say that these bones is the whole nation of Israel? Yes, what verse is that? The 11th verse said, uh, these bones are the whole nation of Israel, the whole house of Israel. That, that proves that the Lord was showing us the very same thing that he told us in the 21st chapter, that this dead nation that had been scattered throughout all the earth and uh, Hitler cremated six million of them. And uh, these bones in 1948, May the 14th, 1948. Uh, no, let's go back before that. Let's go back to 1917 when the Balfour Declaration was signed. And uh, this opened the gates of uh, Palestine to where the Jew could go back home. And when the Balfour Declaration was signed, and England took the mandate and uh, said that they would be a, a, uh, a patroness to watch over this protectorate. This opened the door where the bones could start going back. And from 1917, the bones started going back into the land of uh, Palestine. These bones began to come together. They'd been separated all over the earth, but these bones began to come together. And then in May the 14th, 1948, a sinew began to cover these bones. And a body politic was formed. The nation was formed. See, sinew began to cover these bones that had come together. And it wasn't just a, a, a group of bones together over there, 
but uh, but the uh, sinews began to come together, and flesh and and skin began to cover these bones. And on May the fourteenth, nineteen and forty-eight, the nation of Israel was born and reestablished as a nation among nations. This is when the skin covered those bones, and the flag of the Star of David was raised and uh, began to flutter in the breeze in New York City in front of the United Nations. That was a body politic. That was a nation that was formed. Now, there's only one more step yet remaining for the 37th chapter of Ezekiel to be filled, fulfilled. There's only one more phase of this prophecy yet waiting, and that's for the Lord to breathe on them. Yes, when the Lord uh, breathed on the uh, 120 and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, the Lord from heaven must breathe on this body politic. The Lord must breathe on Israel. And when he breathes on them, then the Spirit's going to come in them, and they're going to begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And this is Israel restored back to her God. That's how close we are to the end. There's only one phase of the prophecy in Ezekiel yet to be fulfilled. Only one phase yet. And that's for God to baptize the Jew in Israel with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the only step yet remaining for the fulfillment of the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. That shows you how close to the end we are. That shows you how much time we've got between now and the end. We don't have very long, brother. We don't have very long. The scriptures are very plain. The scriptures are very positive. The scriptures are very clear on this point. Many, many, many signs are pointing us that we're at the end and the soon coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Yes, the Lord is soon to return. He's coming back in two phases of his second coming. Yes, this is the, these are some of the things that God wants done today because it's the last move of God before Jesus catches his bride away. There's one move yet remaining before Jesus catches his bride away. I know my voice is weak. I know my voice is little. I know my voice is drowned out in the multiplicity of voices out here. Let me tell you something. God's going to give this message an open door. God himself is going to open the door for this message. Anytime God wants something done, God has a way of opening the door so the word can get out. And it's up to God to open the door. And God's going to do it. There's going to be a move of God uh, that's, uh, that's right out here around uh, the corner, as it were, that God's going to get these last in time events heralded out to this world before Jesus comes and catches his bride away. And the Lord's giving us that message right now. God's giving it to us. God gave Martin Luther a message for his day. Nobody else had that message. It was a new message. God gave it to Martin Luther. God opened the door and gave the message a hearing. And brother, when God did it, brother, that message stirred the world at that time. God knows how to open a door. God knows how to give, a, give his message a hearing. And uh, we just happen to be alive in our day, as Brother Seal said. This is our day. And God has raised up us now for another move. And this is, it's not going to just stop right here. God's doing something here. But it's going to reach out beyond this city. And it's going to go all around the earth. This gospel of the kingdom shall go into all the world as a witness against them, and then shall the end come. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> and Jesus, once this message got out, but first he must give it to us before we're able to give it to the people. God didn't destroy the antediluvian world without first giving Noah, a preacher of righteousness, a message. And he was able to proclaim that message. And the people heard it. And then they made their decision as what they wanted to do with that message. All right. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. 
and Jesus is coming back for his bride. And the second coming of the Lord is divided into two phases. Not just one phase, but there's two phases to the second coming of the Lord. The second coming of the Lord, when he comes back for his church, is, is, is a secretive event. Then seven and a half years later, he's coming back in the clouds of glory and the clouds of heaven, and every eye shall see him. But when he comes at the first phase of his coming, every eye won't see him. He's only coming for his own. He's coming for the bride. He's coming for the overcomers. He's coming for his children that has paid the price. I thought I was uh, testifying here tonight about the sacrifice she was going to have to make to give her family up. Well, it may not be that. She may have family. <clears throat> but God, uh, God's working all around. <clears throat> but there's a scripture in the 45th chapter of, uh, of uh, Psalms, isn't it? It's talking about the uh, captured bride. Very, very precious scripture. Very beautiful scripture in the, in the 45th chapter of Psalms. <clears throat> it's talking about, let's see, yes, the 45th chapter of Psalms. It's talking about this, uh, the queen of Ophir. Uh, the, the, the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look at the ninth verse of the 45th chapter of Psalms, <clears throat> it's talking about a relationship here between Christ and his bride. It said, King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Now that queen is the bride. Hearken, O daughter, would you like to be uh, the, the bride of Jesus Christ? Would you like to be a part of the bride? And the bride of Christ only consists of 144,000 overcomers. The bride is numbered. The bridal company is numbered. And uh, we have uh, a type for this because God always uh, made sure that the firstborn was numbered. But the rest of the tribes of Israel didn't have to be numbered. It was always the firstborn that had to be numbered. And the bride is numbered. And, uh, and that's because there's only a certain amount that can be in the bride. But, uh, but the rest of the nation of Israel was never numbered. David got in trouble when he na uh, uh, numbered the whole, the whole nation. Only the firstborn is to be numbered. Only the bride is to be numbered. But outside of that, whosoever will, let him come. Yes, God opens the door wide and says, Come on, come on, come on, come on. Give yourself to God. Come on, serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And whosoever will, let him come. But the bride is numbered. Uh, Revelation, the 14th chapter, it gives its number as 140 and 4,000. These are they that followed the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Uh, these uh, in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God and the Lamb. See, this is a select company. This is a select group. And uh, that's the group that's to sit on thrones and to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Praise God. There's some more that's to assist him in this tremendous reign, but uh, only the bride sits on thrones. <clears throat> and here in the 45th chapter of Psalms, some qualifications are held out uh, to be a part of this uh, uh, select woman, this bridal company. Uh, Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. Now, this shows us the sacrifice that this girl must make. Now, there's millions of Holy Ghost people in the world that love God to a certain extent. But they, they wouldn't make the sacrifice that Rebecca made when she waved bye-bye to her family to go with this uh, uh, strange servant, to go marry a man that she'd never met before. 
Remember when uh, Abraham's servant asked Rebekah, said, Will you go? And she said, I will go. And this is a type of the bride. See? Uh, there's a many a child of God wouldn't say, I will go. They wouldn't make this sacrifice that Rebekah made. But Rebekah is a type of the bride. Isaac is a type of Christ. And Rebekah becoming the wife of Isaac is a type of the bride becoming the wife of Christ. And there's a many a child of God that loves God, but they don't love God enough to make this kind of a sacrifice. And, and this is pictures in the Word of God showing us that there are certain sacrifices that must be made if you're going to be a part of the bride of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. And that's, that's why that's put in the Word of God. And then uh, Ruth is also a type of the bride of Christ. When, uh, when uh, Ruth and her sister, uh, their husbands had died, and, uh, and Naomi was going back to Israel from the land of Moab, and Naomi told her two daughters-in-law, she said, now don't come with me. She said, look, she said, if you, if you think that I'm going to get married again, have another son, said, would you wait till he was grown to, to, to marry him? Said, look, both of my sons are dead, and I'm getting up in years now. Uh, why would you follow me and go back to a strange land that you have never been in before? Why don't you stay right here in the land of Moab? And was it Arpha? Arpha? What is it, Arpha? Arpha? Is that her name? That's Ruth's, uh, that's Ruth's sister, wasn't it? Arpha, when, when Naomi said, don't, uh, why don't you stay here with your own family and, and in your own country? Arpha said, that's exactly what I'll do. said, I, I wouldn't dare think of uh, pulling up stakes and moving across the country, going into a strange land. I wouldn't dare think of turning my back on my family. Oh, that's too great a sacrifice to make. And so Arpha wouldn't make the sacrifice, and you never hear any more of Arpha. She stayed, but not so for Ruth. Ruth looked at Naomi and said, Whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Uh, thy God shall be my God. Thy people shall be my people. What she was saying was, My people's all here in the land of Moab. But I'll follow you, uh, Naomi. I'll go with you, and your friends will be my friends. Your family will be my family. I'll, I'll be a part of a brand-new family that I wasn't a part of before. And so Ruth turned her back on her country and on her family and followed her mother-in-law on over into Israel. And while she was there, God favored her. God always blesses you for every sacrifice that you make. Our country. But over there she married Jesus Christ because she was willing to make that kind of a sacrifice. That's another picture to us that the bride of Christ is a selection out of a selection. It's a selection from a selection. God's people are a select group, but the bride is a selection from a selection. And this is showing us that they that are willing to make these moves and these sacrifices are the ones that's going to marry our heavenly Boaz, Jesus Christ, when he comes back to this earth again. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, we have people that's making sacrifices. Always did make sacrifices. Abraham is to be in the bridal company. God told Abraham in the land of the Ur of the Chaldees to wave bye-bye to his friends and wave bye-bye to the old home place and to go to a country whither I shall lead thee. And the Bible said that Abraham went whither he knew not. Abraham didn't even know where he was going. He just followed the Lord. Didn't even know where the Lord was leading him. But brother, he, he was willing to up, uh, take, uh, pull up stakes and was willing to move on. And he followed the Lord and finally ended up in a little land called Canaan. And Paul said in the book of Hebrews 
For if Abraham would have been mindful, he could have looked back to that country from whence he came. If Abraham would have been mindful, he could have let a homesick spirit get a hold of him and caused him to leave Canaan and go back to Ur of the Chaldees. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that because he loved God and the leading of God more than he loved anything else in this world. Praise God. Abraham will be in the bridal company just as sure as you and I are here tonight. You don't have to doubt it. He paid the price. He proved to God that he loved God enough to move clean across the country to go on with him. Praise the Lord. Some folks won't even drive across town to go to church. But uh, here, here's a company that will move clean across the earth to go on with God. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, so this, uh, this little girl here in the 45th chapter of Psalms, Hearken, O daughter, and consider, verse 10, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty. You see, the bride of Jesus Christ is not made up of necessarily pretty people or handsome people. The bride of Jesus Christ is made up of people that when Jesus looks into their heart, there's a beauty there that's not in the hearts of all these other people out here and say, I love God. Why, well, I go to Sunday school. Why, well, I read my Bible once a week. But God doesn't see any beauty in that heart. But there are men and women that have always lived down through the ages that were separated from the crowd that, as it were, stood head and shoulders above the multitude, that they loved God a little more than everybody else did. They was willing to make sacrifices out beyond uh, the, 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 the crowd. And these are the ones that have a beauty in their heart that causes the king to greatly desire their beauty. See, some girls are all sold on themselves. They're, they're obnoxious because they think they're something special. And if you could look in their heart like God does, it would stink. But God can take a person that may not have any outward beauty, but the Bible did say he would beautify the meek with salvation. And God can take an individual that wouldn't win a beauty contest in this world, but if that individual is sold out to God and loves God, brother, God will pass up all the man-made beauties on the face of the earth because he desires the beauty that comes from that heart that's reaching out with all of their might to follow Jesus Christ. Brother, that's a beautiful spirit. That's a beautiful individual. There's a beauty in an individual like that that causes the king to greatly desire their beauty. Praise God. Praise God. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And indeed you should, because he is your Lord. <clears throat> and the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. Yes, that's talking about the bride. That's the captured queen there. Jesus Christ, the warrior of Israel, has gone forth with the sword of the Spirit. And brother, he's capturing himself a queen. He's capturing himself a bride to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. I, I'm glad that I can feel him capturing my heart. As Sister Dorothy said, she, she's giving him more of her heart. She knows he doesn't have it all yet because she still has reservations for herself. But she wants him to have it all. She wants him to have all of it. She wants to give it all to him because she wants to sit on a throne with her soon coming king. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, the, uh, the beautiful picture given to us in the sixth chapter of 1 Kings is another beautiful picture of the two phases of the second coming of the Lord. 
and isn't it uh, isn't it the sixth chapter where where the uh, stones were uh, were taken and there's one verse in there that says that they were made ready before they were brought hither what is it seven seventh verse yes the seventh verse first king six seven and these uh, stones were made ready before they were brought hither and they were put together without the sound of a hammer and that just shows us and the first verse tells us when they began to work on this temple and then the last verse tells us when the temple was completed and it took them exactly seven and one half years to put all of these uh, pre-cut stones together they were put together without the sound of a hammer now when the Lord comes back for his church and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds and so shall we ever uh, be with the Lord all right that's the first phase of his second coming and and the this is when the Lord comes for these stones that have already had this work done on their life all the chiseling all the buffeting all the scraping all the hammering has already been done the Lord is not going to take one uh, one stone with him when he comes for his church that hasn't already had the work done on it. He's coming back for pre-cut stones. He is going to build himself a prefab temple. He's going to build a prefab. When, when he comes after his bride, the material is already cut and shaped. All he does is take it back with him and put it together without the sound of a hammer. See, it's here in the church and in your home and on the job and in the, in the daily walk of life that the chisel and the hammer is doing its work and the saw is a going back and forth and the grindstone is a whining and a polishing and the, the, uh, the hammers are working and the hatchets are working and the adz, A-D-Z, is uh, straightening out the, 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 the timbers, making them into beams. All this work is being done on our lives. If you didn't understand that, Sometimes you get discouraged and say, I don't think I can take another blow. Well, I don't understand exactly why that happened to me. Why? My, that hit me an awful lick. Why did this have to happen to me? Why did they do that? Why, why did they say that? Where am I now? My, why, why somebody pulled the carpet out from under me? I don't know if I'll ever get my bearings again. What's all of this mean? Why, that's the work that's going on on the material that is going to be put together without the sound of a hammer. And that, that's, that's done now. It's not done after the bride's caught away. The religious world thinks all of the believers are going to be in the bride. They think you can act any way you want to, get mad one day, be sweet the next day, pop the next day, stay home and sock the next day, but you're going with Jesus when he comes. That's a bunch of tomfoolery. That's, that's a bunch of ignorant thinking. That's the result of preachers out here that hasn't preached the word of God to their congregation. Brother, there's only 144,000 people going to be in the bride of Christ. The number is definitely limited in the 14th chapter of Revelation. And it's limited because there's only 144,000 people willing to pay the price. There's only 144,000 people that will let God do this work on their life. They won't get their feelings hurt and get mad and take off and leave and pout and sulk and not come back anymore. Why, God knows because he's God. He saw how many would allow this work to be done on their life. And so all this is being done now in our lives. It was being done in Corinth in Paul's day. It was being done in, in Jerusalem, in the Apostles' day. Why, God has uh, been working for 2,000 years uh, to get a bride for his son. Abraham sent Eliezer uh, to get Rebekah for Isaac. 
and God has sent the Holy Ghost to get a bride for Jesus. That's the type and the fulfillment of the type right there. <clears throat> and so the Holy Ghost is asking you, will you go? Will you go? And, uh, and the servant was not to beg. He was not to plead. He was just to ask. The, 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 the girl had to come willingly. Willingly she had to come. There could be no pressure put on her because there's a lot of people out here who don't want any pressure put on them. They're serving God the way they're going to serve Him. They've leveled off. They don't intend to go any farther. They're not about to make any changes. And that's it. And the servant couldn't put any pressure on this girl. He just asked Rebecca, will you go? That's all. No pressure. He said, will you go? And she said, I will go. It was just that simple. And the bride of Christ is to be made up of men and women that when they feel the Spirit asking them, will you go? Deep down in their heart, they say, I will go. Praise God. There's to be no pressure put on this girl. There's to be no force put on this girl. Willingly of her own free will, she must desire to go to marry her Isaac. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> and so this work is being done on our hearts and on our lives. Uh, this one fails God. This one levels off. This one spends hours goofing off. But you can't do that because God's dealing with you in a special way. You, wanna, you want to uh, uh, st sit at his right hand. And so you let the Lord do the work in your life and you fall asleep patiently waiting the return of our Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Paul is dead. Paul's in the graveyard. There's no such thing as an overcomer moving out a live soul. That's not Bible. You can't find that in the Word of God. John 3.13 said, For no man hath ascended into heaven, save he that came down from heaven even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And John said that about A.D. 90 when he wrote the Gospel of John. And, and looking back to the ascension of Jesus Christ, back to the heavens, in the first chapter of Acts, when John was looking back about 60 years back, John was spanning a space of time, looking back over 60 years, he said, And no man hath ascended into heaven, saving he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. That meant from the time Christ went back to sit at the right hand of his Father until John wrote the epistle of John, no one hath ascended into heaven, saving he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man that's gone back and is at this time in heaven while I'm writing this epistle, John said. Why, brother, that's a powerful scripture. That's a powerful scripture. Why, with that, when, uh, when Stephen died, why, he fell asleep. And devout men made great lamentation over him and carried him to his burial. Brother, I keep uh, hammering it away. When we have a child of God that lives for God, they're not in and out of the church, up and down, causing trouble, pouting, sulking, having trouble with a temper, can't control their spirit. You never know when they're going to be back again. Why, a person like that doesn't deserve a good funeral. But a good child of God that's faithful, lives for God, serves God day in, day out, year in, year out. They're good and faithful. Then, brother, when they breathe their last breath, we want to give them a, a funeral with all the dignity and the honor that we can possibly give them because that individual is going to resurrect again at the soon coming of our Lord. The dead are to be raised at both phases of Christ's coming. In the 1980s, there's almost 144,000 that's to be resurrected. In the 1990s, there are hundreds upon hundreds of thousands that's going to be resurrected when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth again. Then the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. And that's those that resurrect that wasn't dependable around the church. That's those that resurrect that couldn't control their spirit. 
That's those that resurrect that you couldn't put any confidence in. That's those that resurrect that backslid. That's those that resurrect that missed God. That's those that resurrect from babbling out here that was so far away from God they didn't even know their left hand from their right and lived most of their lives in the world and there wasn't any holiness in their life at all. And at least 50% of them will die the second death. Uh, they'll be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But everything that resurrects in the first resurrection has everlasting life. Uh, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, for on such the second death hath no power. And at both phases of Christ's return, the dead are to be resurrected. And at both phases, the dead that resurrect will never die again, because these are the cream of the crop. The Bible calls them the first fruits. It's the harvest of first fruits. Praise God. Our sister Mary Moyne will resurrect in the harvest of first fruits because she's worth it. If God resurrects her and she lives a hundred years out in the millennium, she's not going to backslide. She's not going to sulk and pout around the church. She's not going to cause any trouble around the church because she was a faithful child of God. She was a servant of the church. She worked for the church. So there's no doubt at all but our sister Mary will be alive again within, uh, within uh, uh, let's see, it depends on whether she comes forth in the first phase or the second phase in the 1980s or the early 1990s. Only God will have to decide who's, who's, the, who's worthy to be uh, in the bride, the bridal company. The bridal company resurrects at the first phase of Christ's second coming. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> then when the Lord gets this house put together, without the sound of a, t a hammer, and it takes seven and a half years to put it together, then he comes back to this earth again with all of his saints. He comes first for his saints, then seven and a half years later, he comes back with his bride. He comes back with his bride that's wearing the gold of Ophir. He's coming back with this woman that turned her back on her father's house. He's coming back with the antitype of Ruth. He's coming back with the antitype of the captured queen. He's coming back with the antitype of Eve. Praise God. He's coming back with the antitype of Rebecca. He's coming back again. Praise the Lord. And he's bringing his bride with him when he comes back. In the first phase of his coming, the bridal company's called up to meet him in the air. At the second phase of his coming, he comes all the way down to this earth. And Zechariah 14 tells us his feet touch the Mount of Olives. At the first phase of his coming, it's a, it's a meeting in the air. At the second phase of his coming, he comes all the way back to this earth. Praise God. Praise the Lord. In the 15th chapter of uh, Revelation, the 15th chapter of Revelation, the first, the second, and the third verse of the 15th chapter of the book of Revelation, we see the bride. We see the bride company. Uh, and uh, here's the bride. And uh, they, they, uh, uh, we see we're right on the eve of the outpouring of the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. And then we see uh, this bridal company. Uh, standing, as it were, on a sea of glass with palms in their hands. And they're singing the song of Moses and the Lamb. The 14th chapter, the third verse, I believe it is, says that no man could learn to sing that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which was redeemed from among men. And here in the 15th chapter, 
it, it tells us that they're singing the song of Moses and the Lamb. The 14th chapter tells us who it is that sings this song. It's 140 and 4,000. The 15th chapter gives us this company now, and they're standing, as it were, on a sea of glass. Here's the bridal company. And thunders are, are roaring and opening their mouths. And the 16th chapter opens up, and the beginning of the outpouring of the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. The first angel went forth and sounded, and the trumpet sounded, and the turn, he turned his vial upside down, and the wrath of God began to hit this earth. This shows us that the bride is caught out of here before the, the, uh, the uh, wrath of God hits this earth. This shows us the bridal company is out of this earth before the seven last plagues of the wrath of God begin to hit this earth. The, the, the bride is not here to go through the last judgments of God on this earth. The bridal company has gotten out of here before the last plagues of God hit this earth. The 15th chapter of Revelation shows us the bride that's in heaven. The 16th chapter shows us the vials as they're about to be poured out here on this earth. And then in the, in the uh, 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 19th chapter of Revelation, we see uh, the marriage of the Lamb has come. The Greek here is past tense. The bride hath made herself ready. The marriage of the Lamb has come. And, uh, and then the, they followed him on white horses. And Jesus Christ himself is on a white horse and the bride is following him on white horses and they're following him in heaven they haven't come to this earth yet and all at once we find that the vultures and the buzzards and the bats of the air are being invited to come to the supper of the great god which is the battle of armageddon see the bride the, the bridal company is with the lamb before the battle of armageddon ever breaks out on this earth and then in the 21st chapter of Revelation, John sees the new Jerusalem. He sees that beautiful holy city coming down from God out of heaven. And then it gets down a little farther in the chapter, and it said, Come, and I'll show you uh, the, the bride, the new Jerusalem, the Lamb's wife. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the new Jerusalem, the Lamb's wife. That's the bride. That new Jerusalem in, in Revelation 21 that you see coming down from God out of heaven is the fulfillment of the type in 1 Kings 6 where Solomon's temple was put together without the sound of a hammer. And it's being put together for seven and a half years. Then Revelation 21 shows us Christ coming back and bringing this put together temple back down to this earth with him. Praise God. And while that temple is being put together in third heaven, much is happening here on the earth. The seven last plagues of the wrath of God are hitting this earth. One plague right after another. One tremendous judgment right after another. But while that's going on, the Spirit of the Lord is also falling. The greatest revival this world has ever seen is taking place during that seven and a half years. The Spirit of God is being poured out according to the second chapter of Joel. And it comes to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Why, that only happened in a limited way at Pentecost, and it's, it's been uh, a limited fulfillment. But the reality of that scripture comes to pass in the last seven years of Gentile times when, brother, the gully washer from heaven hits this earth and hundreds of thousands of people receive the Holy Ghost. And it's already begun to work. It's already working. Roman Catholics are getting the Holy Ghost. Uh, 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 Episcopalians are getting the Holy Ghost. Lutherans are getting the Holy Ghost. Already, uh, the, the Lord's beginning to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. We can already see that moving, and it's going to keep intensifying 
until hundreds upon hundreds of thousands and millions of Babylon's members are going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost between now and the Battle of Armageddon. And then during that last seven and a half years, Revelation 18, 4, come out of her, my people, that should be not partakers of her sins. Babylon is to be destroyed. There's to be no more religious organizations in this world after Armageddon. The faithful are going to come out of Babylon while these flags are falling. People won't come out now. They're, they're complacent. They're in a rut. We even have a hard time around here of jarring some of you folks out of the rut that you're in. We have a hard time doing it because, brother, the Bible said, when thy judgments are in the land, then shall the inhabitants of the earth learn righteousness. But as long as a person's complacent and in a rut, why, you can't change them. They're not going to make any changes in their life. Only that Rebecca is the girl that will make changes in her life. Only that Eve, only that Ruth will make those changes without God's judgment having to be in the land. Why, it's this willing Rebecca that willingly said, I will go. But the, the, the masses of God's people out here has to have the hot wrath of God uh, burning at their heels before they'll take another step in God. They're not willingly of their own free will to make these changes in God and to make these sacrifices and give up the pleasures of the world for a little season. But when thy judgments are in the land... God said through Isaiah, then the inhabitants of the earth shall learn righteousness. And so the seven last plagues is the last uh, plagues of the wrath of God that's going to hit this earth. And it's causing people to come to God by the millions. And uh, the Lord is sparing many of his children that, uh, during that time through these uh, awful plagues. Uh, Zephaniah, the second chapter, said, uh, uh, Come, it may be we shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. That's, uh, that's a good scripture here in Zephaniah, the second chapter. And it's talking about God's people coming together, coming out of Babylon, coming out of the world, gathering themselves together, assemblies being built around the earth, assemblies being built in Jerusalem. Who knows if we could build an assembly here that would stand the ravages of the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. I do not know. It depends on the attitude of the community. It depends on the, on the fathers of the city. Jesus said when they persecute you in one city, flee to another. And they may make it so hot on the church here in the last seven years that the church will have to hightail it for Palestine. But there are going to be assemblies built around the earth in different places, especially in Israel, that will function right on through the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. And they'll be here when Jesus Christ returns to this earth again. Praise God, we've got much to work for. We've got much to labor for. And the scripture here in Zephaniah, the second chapter said, Gather yourselves together. Yea, gather together, O nation not desired, before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you. And of course, that's the battle of Armageddon, when half of the city goes into captivity. The houses are to be rifled. The women ravished, according to Zechariah, the 14th chapter. That's Armageddon. Before the decree bring forth, before the day passes the chaff, <clears throat> before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord, all you the meek of the earth, which have brought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. God's going to cover hundreds of thousands of his children during those seven last plagues of the wrath of God. God's going to overshadow many millions of his children during that time, and they'll be spared right through that seven and a half years of the judgment of God that's in this earth. God's going to cover them. God's going to spare them. They won't be destroyed by the seven last plagues. Armageddon won't destroy them, but God will cover them. The name of the Lord 
is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it, and is saved. Brother, God can spare you when it looks like everything is falling at your side. There's a psalm that will apply to Israel at that time. In fact, there's two psalms that apply to Israel at that time. One is, I believe, the 91st Psalm, and the other one is the, uh, is the 40, 46th Psalm. Uh, the 46th Psalm. Let's look at the 46th Psalm for just a minute. These are psalms that is going to give God's people, and especially Israel, comfort during the last half hour, the last week of Gentile time, the last uh, seven and a half years of the wrath of God hitting this earth. Let's look at the 46th Psalm. It doesn't mean too much to you and me tonight, but this is going to be a psalm that will be memorized by heart by hundreds of thousands of God's people from the time that their rapture, the first resurrection takes place until the Lord comes back to redeem His people and set up His kingdom on this earth at Armageddon. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. This is a comforting scripture because Zephaniah, Zechariah, uh, Revelation tells us that there's going to be a tremendous earthquake. And uh, the whole territorial uh, realm over in Israel is to be changed. And it's all to be lifted up as a plain. And the mountains are going to crumble down. And the topography of Israel is all going to be changed. And even around the earth, even islands in the sea are going to disappear. Mountains are going to crumble. And land areas are going to surface that never was before. And this is a comforting scripture to God's people that are serving Him, that have turned their back on the world and sin. They're not murmuring and complaining and finding fault anymore, but they're serving God because hell is breaking loose all around them. And brother, here's a comforting scripture right in the midst of this tremendous earthquake when the bowels of the earth are convulsing for the last time because there'll never be another earthquake after Armageddon. Brother, the fires in the heart of the earth are going to go out to where the earth will never tremble anymore and the buildings will never cave in and corrupt and fall and destroy men and women anymore. But brother, when the Prince of Peace comes back, this earth from the very core of the earth on out is going to have peace and there'll never be another earthquake. There'll never be another tornado or a cyclone or a storm, brother. The heart of the earth is going to calm down. And brother, you can build a house and never have to worry about the earth shaking and it falling in on you anymore. But while all of this is going on in fulfillment of the Word of God, here's a comforting scripture to some of God's people. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, and a new river comes out from right under the city of Jerusalem, begins to flow down over towards the Dead Sea. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved, God shall help her. And that right away, the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted, the Lord of hosts is with us. He's coming back to this earth again. Jesus is coming back. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah, come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. But he's going to make wars to cease. Brother, when he comes back, there'll be no more wars. The Prince of Peace is coming back. Men, the men's day will be, man's day will be over. 
Jesus is coming back. This scripture in the 46th chapter of Psalm will be fulfilled before the 1990s are over. And here's God's people out here going complacently on their way and don't even know what's ahead of them out here. They don't know. They say all things continue as it did in the days of our fathers. Where is the promise of his coming? They don't know. They're, they're, they're locked. They're shackled in Babylon and they won't come out. But brother, they're going to come out when God's judgments are in the earth. Praise God. This scripture will be fulfilled before the 20th century is over. This scripture will be, these scriptures will be fulfilled within 30 years. They'll all be over and done. You won't need these scriptures anymore. They will have already met their fulfillment in the plan of God. Praise God. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, that's the battle bow, and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Why, that's a, that's a psalm. That's going to be of comfort to some of you folks if you don't whip up. If you don't make up your mind, get rid of them demons that's bothering you. Get rid of that thing. Come on, get rid of it. And begin to serve God. Help bear the load. And get the glory of God in our midst. And give your life to God. And get ready to preach the last message out here before Jesus catches his bride away. I'm getting ready to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to take off. You say, well, Brother Goodman, you just bought a lot out here. I know it. I'll build a house out there, too, if I only live in it a year. I bought this church, didn't I? And if I can buy five acres and build something else. Brother Jesus said, occupy till I come. We're going to stay busy working for God. But all the time, brother, we're looking forward to the time when we can get out of here. Praise God. Hallelujah. What do you think we're going to do? Just sit around, play kidney wings? No, sir. We're going to work till Jesus comes. Brother, we're going to move forward and make all the progress we can. Because when I get out of here, some of you folks are going to be worshiping in the church I built. Some of you folks will be living in the house I built. I'm going to get out of here. I'm waiting for the Lord to come and take me with him. I want to be one of those polished stones, brother, that the work's already been done on my life so I can get out of here and be up there while you folks are down here going through the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. My God, I'd like to take some of you with me at the first coming of the Lord, the first phase of his soon coming. Glory be to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The 91st chapter of Psalm also fits right in there. It's a psalm that, that'll mean a whole lot more to God's people out here in just a few short years. It doesn't mean too much to us now, but it will, brother. It will when millions are dying under the plagues. When millions are dying under the wrath of God, brother, brother, this psalm is going to mean something to God's people. It's going to mean a whole lot to God's people. It may be a comfort to some of you around here. It may be a comfort to some of your children if they go on and serve God. Yes, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor by the air that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Brother, under the impact of these flags, millions of people are going to be dying and the health departments won't be able to stop it. The water is going to be poisoned. Brother, the air is going to be poisoned. The food you eat is going to be poisoned. There's nothing you can do about it. 
about it. And they're going to die by the millions in the last week of Gentile time when the seven last plagues are falling. And a thousand will fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. But it won't come near thee. Why? Come. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Praise God. Well, you can be hid and it won't happen to you. A thousand will fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. But brother, it won't come near you at all because you're living for God. You're serving God. And God's covering you and protecting you as you go through the earth and carry this message of the soon coming of the Messiah back to this earth to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he comes, he's going to make wars cease to the ends of the earth. But he's going to tear up the spear and the battle bow. And he's going to speak peace to a world that cannot govern itself. The UNO is a miserable failure. President Nixon ought to dump it in the, in the Atlantic Ocean. It's a miserable failure. It's done. Our country's on its way down and out. There's only one hope, and that's the soon coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. We have another scripture given to us in the last book of the Old Testament. It's the book of Malachi in the third and the fourth chapter. It's applying to this last week of Gentile time. It applies to the time when the plagues of God are hitting this earth and the Lord is looking for his children. And he said here in verse 15, Then they that feared the Lord, chapter 3, spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard, and a book of remembrance was written before him, for them that feared the Lord, that thought upon his name. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Brother, God's going to spare his children through those seven plagues of the wrath of God. And then the fourth chapter of Isaiah will be enough scriptures on that line. The fourth chapter of Isaiah tells us that he that is left in Jerusalem and he that remaineth in Zion shall be called holy unto the Lord. Brother, the, the sinners are going to be destroyed. The transgressors are going to die under the wrath of God. The only men and women that will be alive in Israel after the battle of Armageddon is over is men and women that are holy. Men and women that have lived for God. Men and women that have given their hearts to God because all the evil workers will be destroyed in the seven last plagues of the wrath of God culminating at Armageddon. And brother, when Armageddon is over, there won't be a sinner left in Jerusalem. He that remaineth in Jerusalem, he that remaineth in Zion, shall be called holy unto the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. He that remaineth, he that's left after the battle is over, he that's still alive after all the trouble has been fulfilled will be a holy man and a holy woman that's given their entire life to their Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then, uh, then the Lord comes back at Armageddon. In the 14th chapter of Zechariah, he comes back right in the middle of the battle of Armageddon. Half the city's already been taken by Russia. For it's my intent to gather all the nations to Jerusalem to battle, God said. God's going to bring them all right in there to fight this battle. But when it looks like all hope is gone, right in the middle, Jesus Christ comes back to this earth. Brother, he comes all the way to this earth, all the saints with him, and the battle uh, tide turns 
and Russia is defeated and Israel is vindicated only because of the personal appearance of Jesus Christ that's come back to this earth and every eye shall see him when he comes. The whole world will be astonished. Brother, this world's in for the shock of its life. I wish I could wake some of you folks up. I wish I could jar you. This world is in for the shock of its life before the 1990s are over. Brother, when it looks like Israel is gone, the heavens will open up. Jesus is coming back to this earth again. Every eye shall see him, and it will be because of the personal intervention of Jesus Christ that Israel is saved, and the rest of the armies are annihilated, and the whole world will know that God has intervened and sent his son back to this world again, the very one they crucified, the one they nailed to a tree and said, crucify him, crucify him. God's sending him back to this world again to take judgment upon all of the sinners and the rebels and the wicked that would not let Jesus Christ be their king. They said, we will not have this man rule over us. Brother, he's coming back to destroy those wicked men. Praise God. Brother, that's going to include a lot of Holy Ghost people too that wouldn't let him rule over. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Brother, this world's in for the shock of its life because Jesus is coming back. When he comes, he's going to bring Paul with him. He's going to bring Timothy with him. He's going to bring Titus with him. He's going to bring Mary with him. He's going to bring Phoebe and Darkus with him. I hope he brings Lloyd with him. Amen. 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 Paul said in Romans 8, said, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. This word manifestation means to be plainly seen, plainly revealed. And ye know that the Son of God was manifested for your sins, and in him is no sin. That word manifest means to be plainly revealed, to make plainly known. Jesus Christ was plainly revealed for 33 and a half years on this earth. Romans 8, the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the plainly revealing of the sons of God. Brother, the only hope for this world is for Jesus Christ to return and to bring his overcoming staff with him, to bring his bride back with him. This world is going to see the martyrs again. Down through the dark ages, some of those dear saints of God that was tied at the stake and burned as a martyr. Brother, they loved not their lives unto the death. Some of those were overcomers. Brother, they, that execution may have taken four hours. A Roman Catholic priest standing there with the crucifix waiting to see if they'd kiss that thing before they succumbed in the flames. But brother, they held true to their integrity. They loved not their lives unto the death. The world thought they got rid of them. But they're coming back to this world again in just a few short years. Praise God. They're coming back again. Jesus is going to bring them back with him. Jesus said in John 14, let me tell you, brethren, we've got a message coming for this world. We're just about God. We're just about God. Uh, some brethren been worrying, wanting to go back to the campground, arguing over whether there's a devil or not. Brother, God's just about giving us the new message. While some are still wanting to know whether the flesh is the devil or not. Brother, we've just about got the message that's going to close this age. Right. Right. Praise God. Praise God. What was the scripture I started to use there? 
Yes, he said, if I go away, I'll come again. Receive you unto myself, that where I am, there he may be also. The first phase of the Lord's second coming, he's coming back for his overcoming saints. Then he's going to take them with him for seven and a half years. Then he's coming back with them in their immortal bodies. And this whole world is going to see the overcomers that was martyred. They're going to see them. They're going to see them once again. Yes, we're coming back, brother. You can fool around, dig in if you want to, drag your heels. But for some of us, it's going on with God. It's going on. It's going on. Yes, praise the Lord. It's going on. Praise God. Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him and his appearing. Why do you care if you die? So what? Press on with God. There's two, two resurrections at both phases of Christ's second coming. At both phases of his coming, saints are to be resurrected. We have the scripture given to us in the 20, 28th, uh, is it the 28th chapter of uh, Exodus? Is it Exodus 28? Where we have what's called the first of the first fruits. 28, 19? 23, 19. Exodus 23, 19. It's called the first of the first fruits. And this is so beautiful. But the second coming of the Lord is hid in types and shadows. And the harvest of first fruits is very beautiful. Brother, this is a message we're going to have to give this world, especially God's people out here. The harvest of first fruits was the fruit that came to a head before the general harvest. Here's a wheat crop out here, and it's not due to harvest, theoretically speaking, for 30 days. But we go out there, and the first fruits have already ripened. We go in and put the uh, put the threshing machine in, as it were, and we can reap and we can reap the heads that have matured ahead of the rest of the crop. That's called the first fruits. If you've got an apple orchard, you can go in your apple orchard a month before the general apple harvest, and maybe pick you a bushel of uh, apples that's already ripened. That's the first fruits. They've they've ripened before the the general harvest. Then maybe a month later, you can go in there, and the whole orchard is ripe. You can put your sign out front: "Apples for sale." Bushel baskets, 375. Pick your own. Because the har- harvest has come in. But before you put your sign up on the road out there, you may be able to go in and pick a bushel full. That's the first fruits. That's the apples that ripened ahead of the general crop. And we must see, we must see every move of God. Down through the centuries of time, every revival and every move of God is times of harvest. All through the year in every country, all crops don't ripen at the same time. Uh, wheat harvest comes in before grape harvest. Yes, all your crops ripen at a different time. and But the first fruits of each harvest belongs to the Lord. And the first of the first fruits is to be taken into the house of the Lord thy God. Beautiful, isn't it? That's the bride. The first of the first fruits. The first fruits is the harvest that matured ahead of the rest of the crop. And that's the saints of God that didn't dilly-dally around. The harvest of first fruits is the saints of God that give their life to God. They serve God. They live for God. They work for God. And they die. But the first of the first fruits is the overcomers among the, 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 the first fruits. See, the best of the oil. Isn't that Numbers, uh, numbers 18, 12? The best of the oil, the best of the wine, the best of the wheat, the first fruits of them, thou shalt offer unto the Lord thy God. So, so when you go out and gather the first fruits of the olive crop, 
That's the olives that ripen before the general crop ripens. But the best of the first fruits is to be given to the Lord. That's the bride. The first of the first fruits. The best of the first fruits. But the rest of the first fruits is the saints of God that resurrect at the second phase of Christ's coming, when his feet touch the Mount of Olives. That's the rest of the saints of God. Yes. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You live for God and you overcome. If you died tonight, you will resurrect in the 1980s when Christ comes and the dead in Christ rise first. When he comes back for his Rebecca. When he comes for his Eve. When he comes for his Ruth. Yes, when he comes for his captured bride. That's the bride. That's the bride. Then seven and a half years later he comes back and the rest of the first fruits resurrect. See, the harvest of first fruits is the antitype of the first resurrection. Y'all see that? Then the rest of the dead live not again till the thousand years were finished. That's like going out here and, and picking the, the apple crop when it's ripe. But the first ripe apples is the first fruits. But the first of the first fruits is the bride. See, you, here's your apple orchard, and the general crop won't ripen yet for, for another 30 days. But you can go in now and get a bushel basket full, maybe two bushel baskets full of apples that's ripened ahead of the general crop. And then you take these two bushel baskets of first ripe apples out, and you look through it and pick out the best of the first ripe apples. And the best of the first ripe apples is the bride. The rest of the first ripe apples is the rest of the saints of God. And the best of the first ripe apples is the bride that Jesus comes for at the first phase of his second coming. And the rest of these bushel baskets of first ripe apples are the saints of God that's going to resurrect at the second phase of his coming. But when you go back in now and reap the whole apple crop, that's the rest of the dead that live not again until the thousand years were finished. Yeah. You see that? So there's, there's two resurrections right out here ahead of us in the 1980s and the 1990s. Yes. Our, our sister Sanders in Tulsa, Oklahoma, died with a dirty cancer eating a hole right through her head. I saw that woman when I looked through what ought to have been her nose, and I saw uh, up past the roof of her mouth. She didn't say it. Well, why should I serve God if I got a cancer? Brother, you're going to die. Everybody from Adam that ever lived died. You're going to die. You, you just might as well get braced for it and get ready for it. You're going to die. We're going to preach your funeral after a while, and somebody's going to preach mine. See, well, if I serve God, then nothing happened to me. Brother, everybody's ever served God, something happened to them. Because we're not in the millennial yet. We're still under the curse. Sister Sanders was a good woman. That cancer ate a hole right through her head, eat her nose off, eat her eye out, eat right through the roof of her mouth. Brother, she was an ever service. She didn't miss a service. Not a woman. I saw her. I saw her. Brother, she'd sit there with that big bandage all over her head. Finally, her eyes went blind. People would come by and say, Sister Sanders, this is... Sister so-and-so, she'd say, how are you? Yeah. Finally she died. That thing eat her up. They buried her. But she's going to be alive again in just a few years. Just a few years, she's going to be woke up. Just a few years. Well, there's been a lot of folks hung around the church and died. They won't come forth in the first resurrection. 
The rest of the dead live not again until a thousand years are finished. Everybody comes forth in the first resurrection will never die again. Brother, God's not going to resurrect some security risk. Somebody that you don't know what they're going to do. God's not going to resurrect anybody like that. Let's all wake up, brother. We've got the chance of our life. Brother, he, he gave me this hope that I could live again. Therefore, I'll work and serve him uh, till the end of time. Yes. Yes. Praise God. We just sung that song, didn't we? He gave me a new life. He gave me a chance to live again. Praise God. That's the hope that's out here ahead of us. Don't whimper and cry at death. Say, I don't want to die. <laughs> Brother, you're going to die. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Don't whimper and cry at death. Brother, let me tell you something. When you've got this hope, when you see the resurrection of the dead in just a few years out here, you'll live for God like you never lived for him. Brother, it's helping me. I tell you, we all need help. We're all flesh. But, brother, this knowledge has given me a strength in my life. Brother, when the world would get me, when sin would take you down, brother, God has a way of opening the door and letting you go on out in the things of God and giving you victory. Father, God's going to save some of his own. Praise God. We have a scripture given to us in the 20, uh, what is it, the 26th chapter of, of Isaiah. Where is this beautiful scripture we, we dealt with a little bit not too long ago here in the, in the 26th chapter of Isaiah. And I know it was fulfilled in, in a little part in Matthew 27, 52. Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out her dead. I know in a limited way that happened in Matthew 27, 52, just like in a limited way uh, when Peter said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel to come to pass in the last day, saith God, for out my spirit upon all flesh. But brother, that did happen on the day of Pentecost was only a limited partial fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And the dead that resurrected with Christ in Matthew 27, 52 is only a limited partial fulfillment of this prophecy that's given us here in the 26th chapter of Isaiah. Because the, 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 the scene, the, the, the uh, context is the end of the Gentile age. The context here is the time of Armageddon. The context here, if you look at verse 21, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Well, that's the battle of Armageddon. That's Armageddon. And the, 20, uh, the 20th verse said, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers. Don't be afraid to die. Whether you're an overcomer or whether you die short of perfection, you're serving God with all your heart. Whether you're making the changes, you're taking any reproof that you have to take. You're humbling yourself. You're working right in the church. You're not murmuring or grumbling or complaining. You're working right. Praise God. Then, brother, if death gets you, don't worry about it. Come, my people, enter into thy chambers. Why, we took Brother Bart out here in this memorial cemetery, and they lowered him down in his chamber out there. Why, that chamber is the grave. That chamber is the tomb. And the Lord's encouraging his people. Come, my children. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chamber and shut the doors about thee. That's death. Go on and, and, and shut the door. Go on into your chamber and, and shut the door. Brother, you go on. Don't worry about it. Uh, close the doors of death behind you. Go on into the tomb. Go on into the sarcophagus. Go on into the sepulcher. Go on in to your chamber and close the door of death behind you. Go on into it, Brother Snyder. 
Go on in there. It's perfectly all right. Go on into it. And what does it say? And hide thyself as it were for a little moment. Where's Brother Bart? He's hid. He's hid. He's hid. Where's Sister Mary? She's hid. She's hid. Where's Brother William Souders? He's hid. He's hid. He went into his chamber and closed the door behind him. He's hid. How long is he going to be hid? Uh, for, for a little moment. Just a little moment. You went to sleep in death and you woke up in the first resurrection. Either it's the first phase of the Lord's coming or the second phase. The deeper the sleep, the quicker the pass of time. Brother, if you go to bed tonight and wake up in the morning and you didn't dream a dream tonight, brother, that night went by so fast. But if you dreamed and you tossed and you turned, brother, it was the longest night that you ever had. And the deeper the sleep, the quicker the time. And brother, there's no sense of time in death. So hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the wrath be overpassed. Praise God. Why, it's talking here about the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. You don't have to worry. Praise God. We can fall asleep in Christ, not worrying about a thing. Praise God. He's going to come back again. He's coming back. He said he would. Brother, when he comes, the dead are to be raised again. Praise God. What a message, brother. What a message. What a message. Brother, the bride's going to be caught out of here in a few more years, and then the people must work hard to warn the people of the impending danger of Armageddon. Tell them how they can survive the seven last plagues of the wrath of God. Tell them of the soon coming of Jesus Christ and a tremendous resurrection of the saints of God down through the ages that live for God, down through the ages that serve God. And the 20th uh, chapter of Revelation, isn't it the 20th chapter of Revelation, where the angel saw an angel come down from heaven with a key in his hand, with a chain in his hand, <clears throat> and he, he bound the devil in the bottomless pit. This angel with a chain in his hand, he found the devil in the bottomless pit. Brother, look, only Jesus Christ can control the devil. Only Jesus Christ has victory over the devil. Jesus Christ got victory over the devil 40 days and nights in the wilderness. And the Bible said, then the devil leaveth him for a little season. Then the devil came back and worked to the people and nailed him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. Now God's exalted him far above all principalities, all powers. Brother, Jesus has all authority today. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Brother, when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, brother, it's like, it's like, it's like Big Bad Bill in the city. It's like this old gangster in the city. It's like this boozing, bar-drinking, fast gun in the western town. But brother, when old Matt Dillon walks in there, this fella slips out the other side of the city. But brother, when Jesus Christ comes back, the devil can't operate. Jesus is the only one that has authority over the devil. And when Jesus comes back, brother, the devil is relegated. He's pushed back. He can't operate anymore. And Jesus, through the resurrection of the dead and all the saints that will be spared through the seven last plagues of the wrath of God, Jesus said in Luke 12, And ye yourselves, as men, that shall await the return of their Lord from the marriage. Jesus marries his bride before he ever comes back to this earth. And there's some people on this earth that's waiting for their Lord when he shall return from the marriage. Jesus is coming back seven and a half years after he marries his bride. He's coming back to this earth. And there's going to be some people waiting for him when he comes. Then he's got to gather together 
all the loose ends, all of this uh, people out here that's got the Holy Ghost, come out of Babylon, all of these myriads of people out here, all incoherent, nobody knowing what to do. Jesus must gather in the loose ends, brother, and give meaningful direction to the activities of the people. His work is set before him, the prophet said. His work is before him. He's got work to do when he comes back. And the 20th of Revelation said, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. That's the chain that he brings back with him. That's the bride. And they sat upon them. Also, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Christ. In addition to these that sat on thrones, also, and in addition to this, I saw the souls of them that had been beheaded for the witness of Christ and for the testimony which they held. <clears throat> these are they who love not their lives unto the death, so forth and so on. And they lived, and they shared in this millennial reign of Christ. They didn't sit on thrones, only the bride sits on thrones. But when Christ comes back with this chain in his hand, there's another resurrection. And this resurrection is for the rest of the faithful saints of God. Many of them died as martyrs for the cause of Christ. And they lived and shared in this millennial glory of Christ for a thousand years. Blessed and holy is he that hath part. That closes the first resurrection. The first resurrection takes part in two phases. At the first phase of Christ's coming, when the dead in Christ shall rise first, we which are alive and remain, that's the bride. Then he comes back seven and a half years later, and, and the rest of the first fruits are brought to, to life. This completes the harvest of first fruits in its type. This completes the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But the rest of the dead, the troublemakers, the murmurers, the complainers, those that live too much for the world, those that was in and out, up and down, those that you couldn't put any confidence in, but the rest of the dead live not again <clears throat> until the thousand years were finished. Everybody that resurrects in the first resurrection, there's no doubt at all but what they'll do the right thing. See, whether our sister Mary was an overcomer or not before she died, and possibly she wasn't, but there's no doubt in my mind, and I'm sure God's mind, that if she resurrects, she, she'll always work right. If there's any doubt in God's mind, she'd, she'd resurrect in the final resurrection. You see, do you see how, how you can get in that first resurrection? Maybe the Lord will help us on that tomorrow. Praise God, this is a wonderful place to be. Amen. Wonderful place to be. Wonderful place to be. Praise God, Jesus is coming soon. <clears throat> We're getting ready for the first resurrection. Makes no difference. Say, well, I may be dead before that happens. So what? I'll preach this message at your funeral. I'll tell the folks we'll see you again. 15 or 20 years. I'll preach this message for you if you if you'll love not your life unto the death. Dirty cancer takes you out of this life. Be thou faithful unto death, and thou shalt receive a crown of life. Yes, we'll we'll tell everybody. We're going to see you again. You're you we're we're going to put you in your chamber, and you're going to close the door behind you. But praise God, you're coming out of there again. The earth shall cast out her dead. Praise God. Hallelujah, brother. Brother, that's the funeral message. That gives hope. Say, if you're not saved, you don't know God, you better hit this altar before we get this casket out of here. You better hit this altar and repent. You better give your life to God. Jesus is coming back. The 1980s, at the first phase of his coming. The 1990s, at the second phase of his coming. And saints of God are to resurrect at both phases of his coming. If you're not ready, you better get ready. He's coming back again.
It was really good and hope it doesn't happen until 1991 and the year 2002. I couldn't care less. We're so close to the end. We're not setting dates. We just know it's going to happen. Praise God. Praise God. That's it. We're right here at the end. Brother, it's going to happen. It's right out here at our fingertips. So there's only one more thing to be done, and that's for God to breathe into the nation of Israel. Why, the bones have already come together. The flesh is already covering the sinews. There's only one thing left, and that's for Israel to start receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's how close we are to the end. Amen. Praise God. Brother, we're at the end. We're at the end. We've got a message for this world out here. This is a new message. This is a message for our day. Brother, we're going to move forward. Quibble over some little doctrine. Go back to the past. Build a golden calf at Bethel. Absolutely not. Jesus is coming. We must hasten to meet him. Praise God. We must hasten to meet him. Praise God. Brother, this is a message that will cause a lot of people that's growing cold to get hot again. Brother, this message, this, this message of the resurrection of the dead has an inducement to holy living that no other doctrine in the book has got. Praise God. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Yes, praise God. Thank the Lord for the hope. Brother, this is the hope. This is the hope that's reverberated in the hearts of the saints down through the centuries as they was tied to the stake, brother. As they gave up their lives, brother, this hope burned in their hearts that they'd see Jesus. Praise God. They will. In just a moment, they'll see him. While you live out your long lifespan, in just a moment, that saint that was martyred 700 years ago is going to be spoke back to life again. Your lifespan is far longer to endure than the moment of death. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, this place is going to fill up. This building is going to fill up. And this message is going to reach out. This, this will cause saints to live for God. My God. My God. You pardon me for being just a little long-winded here. You pardon me. But brother, we've got a message. I thought as this dear child testified, got one pastor this week, another pastor next week, got this pastor six months, got that pastor a year, got, I thought, my God in heaven, that's nothing but a playhouse. I don't care what people call it, it's a playhouse. I wouldn't spend two minutes in a place like that because I'm not a fool. I'm not a fool. I wouldn't spend two minutes in a place like that. You know why? You'll pardon me again. But a lot of people, or a lot of men that call themselves preachers are nothing but hirelings. Now you pardon me. You please pardon me. But we got a lot of hirelings. Say, I'm a man of God, I'm a preacher, and ain't nothing. You pardon me, I'm sorry. I, I bring a lot. You know the high priest, he carried his own fire with him? Brother, I have a way of bringing fire down on my head. I really do. I have a way of bringing fire down on my own head. I carry my own fire with me. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, the hireling fleeth. The hireling fleeth. You put your money in the pockets of a many of a hireling. But he, would, he didn't love the sheep. You know, you know it, looks like, it looks like the saints would wake up. It's amazing how the sheep can be hoodwinked in it. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, you know why they can be hoodwinked? It's because they don't want to make the sacrifice. 
so they conveniently blind themselves to the facts because they hope in time it'll be different. Jesus said the hiring fleeth, but no man pursueth. But the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. A real man of God will suffer it out. I've got too much principle in me to leave here. Yes, yeah, say, Brother Goodwin, you going to build your house in this town? I sure am, as nice as Mr. Anybody's. Because I want you folks to know this is my home. I don't care where I go, I'll be back. You say, so-and-so's going to tear up the church. I'll be back on the next jet. There ain't nobody going to tear this church up. Brother Goodwin's got a big house over there. He'll be back. He sure will. I want y'all to know I'm coming back. This is headquarters for me. This is home for me. Absolutely. You can just settle down. There's going to be a church here tomorrow. I may be in Israel, but I'll be back. There's going to be a church here tomorrow, brother. That's right. That's right. Brother, I'm not a hireling. I've fought the battles in this city. I'll fight some more folks over there. But when somebody runs, it's going to be the wolf. And I'm me. Because I'm the wolf. I'm the shepherd. That's right. Praise God. That's right, brother. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord wanted to talk to you, child. That's why that happened to you. The Lord wanted you to hear the voice of your shepherd. Right, and you was forced to listen to things that you wouldn't listen to otherwise. That's right, because God loves you. God loves you. Right, you know the Lord loves us more than we love him. Our, our sister Jenny, it's her testimony. I hope she gives it to you. <clears throat> but when she was operated on at Lutheran Hospital two weeks ago, that doctor cut into her, the organ that he took out, He'd have to explain it. I'm no, I'm no medical doctor. I'm a doctor of the soul. Somebody said, you can't park there. That says reserved for doctors. I said, that's what I am. I'm a doctor. So I just parked there. And this, this officer come out and said, are you a doctor? I said, yes, sir. I'm a minister. All right, all right, all right. Well, I'm a doctor of the soul. Why, sure I am. Far more important work than that medic's doing on your body. I said, you can't park there. You can't park there. I said, yes, I can. I'm a doctor. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And this doctor that operated on Sister Jenny, he took out this organ. He said, this is the first time I've ever seen this in my experience. He, he, he explained that some way there was a crust had formed around this organ. And without that crust, cancer on the inside of this organ would have developed and spread throughout that region of her body and taken her life. He said, I don't understand this. He said, I've never seen anything like this before. He said, the, the way this organ has, has uh, turned, he said, the way it's worked and this crust that's here has kept this from becoming cancerous and has contained it to where it couldn't spread. He said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I told Sister Jenny, I said, Sister Jenny, I said, every saint of God ought to be ashamed of himself. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for your conduct. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Because I said, you didn't know this. But I said, times when you should have testified, you didn't testify. 
but all the time. You see, God's not like we are. If I do it, I want everybody to know it. I done that. If we do it, we want to be sure we get the credit for it. Brother, that's nothing but dirty, stinking, exalted flesh. You better kill that in you. God's not like that. God does good things for us. And don't tell us he does it. And we don't even know he does it. Sister Jenny didn't even know that God had done that for her. But if God hadn't done that for her, she'd been dead of cancer. God did something for that child, and she didn't even know that God had done it for her. I wonder what God's done for you, but you don't even know he's done it yet. And you may never know. We owe him thanks and praise and honor. He's done things for us that we don't even know he's done for us. Sister Jenny didn't know God did that for her, but if God hadn't done that for her, she'd been eat up with cancer. God's wonderful. God loves his children. God loves his children. God does love his children. He loves us far more than we love him. Yes, but right now I'm going to get you, give you a chance to prove how much you love him in the first offering of the new year. Dig down deep. Praise God. You won't get to give very many more offerings. You might as well give them while you can. Praise God. Let's give them while we can. Dig down deep. First offering of the year. Maybe you can finish paying your pledge. Give God your tithes. And when you put that 10% in, remember, that's a type of the bride. That's the best. God always gets the best. That's, that's reminding you that he wants, he wants all of you. He wants you to be in the first fruits. Let's give God the very best we can. Our tithes are offerings. And we, we're going to pass the offering plate over here in the PA corner, too. We're missing too many billfolds over there. That plate's filling up over there. Somebody said, I'm going over here and make a recording. They don't pass the offering plate over here. We do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Get your billfolds out wherever you are. Yeah. Right in the corner where you are. Let your billfold shine. Let your greenery be seen. <laughs> While the band gives us a number and the brethren come forward, may the Lord bless you. Praise God. <laughs>